Town Hall Academy, episode 66. What happens to the vehicle once the warranty's out, once they roll out of the showroom? It's uh, almost pre-showroom where the focus has been. I think we've got to, to push more about NHTSA evaluating the value of these programs and preventing accidents, injuries, and deaths, and and supporting state efforts. And now, if you look at uh, when the NHTSA data comes out on collisions and, and deaths and injuries, they don't touch uh, the kind of uh, minutiae with uh, bad tires, bad brakes, those kind of things that they need to take a look at. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hello and welcome, aftermarket professional, to the Town Hall Academy, episode 66. Did you know that only 14 states have a mandated periodic motor vehicle inspection? In the heyday of federal funding, there were over 30 states that required vehicle inspections. The sad thing is the momentum that is out there for the removal of these programs. This discussion is to shed light on why this has happened and what can we as a collective aftermarket do about it. Carm Capriato here thanking Jasper Engines for supporting the Town Hall Academy. Jasper has over 2,000 associates, three manufacturing facilities, two distribution centers, 45 branch offices across the country, and they're all working to produce, transport, and deliver the perfect product. That's what they do best, keep customers happy. And also thanks for the support from FlexCheck Auto for hosting the live academy at the ASA annual meeting in Orlando. FlexCheck Auto DVI is a unique intelligent approach to digital vehicle inspection developed by a successful shop owner to help other shop owners increase their success on the web at flexcheckauto.com. Remember, today's podcast has a sister video, and if you want to see the discussion in action, you can find it at remarkableresults.biz A066. And big news about a select group of Town Hall Academy podcasts now available for AMI credit. If you're staying current with your AMI designation or working toward your professional designation, go to remarkableresults.biz slash AMI and see how listening to the Academy episodes can earn you AMI elective credits. This was our first Town Hall Academy live with the studio audience. We were at the Swan Resort in Orlando at the ASA annual member meeting. What a great event. Kudos to ASA for the powerful training agenda and special events. Our topic today is PMVI, Periodic Motor Vehicle Inspections, or state-mandated safety vehicle inspections. This episode is worthy of your time because we are down to only 14 states as of this writing that have required safety inspections. We see every day vehicles that are driving on roads with rusted frames, loose front ends, and weak brakes, lights out, and the like. We had an interesting discussion from three different perspectives. With me is Robert L. Redding, Jr., ASA Legislative Representative. Now, Bob's represented the Automotive Service Association from their Capitol Hill office since 1993. Bob has received presidential appointments to several federal advisory committees at the United States EPA, DOJ, DOL, and the U.S. Department of Transportation. Find Bob's previous episodes on the show notes page at remarkableresults.biz slash a066. Also with me is Joe Batista, Vice President of Sales and Business Development for Parsons Corp., a leading provider of program management services in the periodic safety and emissions vehicle inspection programs to government jurisdictions throughout North America, and also shop owner Sebrin Vanderpoel, an ASE Master L1 technician and owner of 
Adolph Huffel and Sons in Houston, Texas. Seaburn also serves on the local ASA Houston Chapter Board of Directors. As always, to fight these kind of programs, we need your help. Grassroots solutions, not only from the service side sector in writing letters to your legislator, but also to engage the consumer and let them understand the value that PMVI is to their safety. been challenged from the legislative perspective that uh, safety inspections aren't what they should be. And I know you're working your butt off, Bob. Bring us up to speed. Well, as you said, we have 14 programs now. We like to say we have 15. Uh, The change of title in the state of Maryland, you have to have an inspection, but really 14 traditional programs. Uh, They've been under attack. If we take a look back to 1966, Congress mandated for a state that received any highway money large amounts of money for roads, bridges, now uh, uh, drunk driving and texting of uh, prohibition uh, funds and education monies, that they have state programs. We got up to 31 state programs by 1975, Uh, 31 state programs. Congress came back after states complained about the mandate, and uh, uh, they eliminated the mandate, and we dropped immediately down to 21 programs. Uh, gradually, every few years, Mississippi of late, New Jersey, District of Columbia, we're down now to the 14 plus the Maryland uh, nuance. So they're in trouble. Uh, we can talk about some of the specifics later as to why, but uh, they're being attacked uh, regularly in state legislatures. Uh, some of our premier programs, such as Pennsylvania and Missouri, have been under attack every year. Uh, some of the same legislators are, are really stepping it up. Texas was in trouble last time around, and we anticipate another fight in Texas next year. Is it all about money? Is it about uh, the lobby that's fighting it? Where, where's the, the negative pressure? Uh, I think it started post-1990 uh, Clean, Clean Air Act amendments when we got emissions programs. And uh, uh, talk show radio came on, not your program, of course, of course. but... Uh, uh, attacking it based on long lines for emissions programs, the ping-pong repair effect for emissions programs, and gradually safety became part of that. It's a, it's a tax on the consumer. It doesn't really do anything. And honestly, the, uh, our friends, uh, the aftermarket, we've done a poor job of educating consumers about the value of the program. A poor job of education. Sebrin, do you agree with that? I would pretty much agree with... Uh you know, I don't think we do a good enough job because I know ours in Texas the safety inspection. If you can, you can pass it with some pretty bad cars, but I know we have a script that allows us that's okayed by the DPS uh, would allow us to do a complete inspection for our customers that come in who are not our regular customers, and my service advisors just don't follow through with that very well. So I think we do need to keep the safety inspections, but I think that, especially in Texas, they need to be a little bit more strict. How do you go about fixing that? Well, uh, we've been on defense for so long. Uh, You know, the programs, other than Northeast, Northeast has been fairly stable as far as keeping programs. We have have, shops have to speak up. Uh, When we go into a state, any state that's under attack, uh, it's a pretty – small number of shops that actually contact their policymakers and say, this is a good program for consumers, save it. We also have to get our customers 
contacting state legislators. And, you know, some of our affiliates here made that case yesterday, which is a really good point. We've got to get consumers more involved in saying, this is a good program. I wouldn't necessarily have these things checked in my vehicle if it weren't a mandated program. Joe, your angle here. Uh, Joe's with the Parsons Company, and his company provides... Is it equipment and software that uh, helps the states get it done? Usually program management. Okay. And, and, and I'd like to say, uh, being a proponent of industry, I was, uh, when I started my career in this back in 95, we were major proponents of, of decentralized programs. And that really, uh, we, we thought it was the best interest of these programs to be serviced by the industry. And uh, coming out of, uh, of a family of, of industry, I mean, I'm, I'm a champion for, for, uh, for independent business owners. Not to belabor it, but, you know, I, I saw a three-bay garage back in 1935 that my grandfather ran, put seven of us through college. And, uh, and, and that's, I take that serious. And, and I know all of you are facing that. You're, you're fa- facing succession programs. So my point is is that if these programs go away, your business goes away. And if anyone can tell me that when a program gets eliminated at a state that your business is going to go up or that your business is going to grow, I, I invite you to be up here. Um, and, and my position, or, and I can't really speak on behalf of my company, but my position is it's a four-legged, it's a four-legged stool, guys. It's, um, it's the industry. It's the government and the contractor having to work together. It's the, um, um, it, it's the politicians and the client being the state. And, and if we're all not singing from the same sheet of music, the programs will absolutely go. I don't like what I just heard. I heard industry, government, politicians, and clients. Government and politicians are the same thing. So they have stronger legs of the stool. Of course. And it's, an, it's, it's unequal. It is unequal. The curiosity that I have is there's 14 states left, and you say they're being challenged all the time. I live in New York. We have inspections. Mm-hmm. And I haven't heard about challenges to New York, and, and maybe I'm not, my ear to the ground isn't enough, but what can you tell the state, the, the 14 uh, state, uh, the people that are listening? Well, our uh, uh, defense for these programs to date, our advocacy has been shop-based. Uh, that has had mixed results. Of course, we've lost, as I mentioned, Mississippi and D.C., New Jersey. Uh, it's been effective in Texas, uh, uh, PA, uh, Pennsylvania, and Missouri, and North Carolina. But uh, we need to communicate more with vehicle owners about the importance of these programs. And uh, the data is stale. And uh, uh, Parsons has been great about uh, uh, trying to get studies done and working with, uh, Joe can tell you better than me, educational institutions on that. But we're working with uh, 2010 uh, studies from Pennsylvania, uh, some older in Missouri, and uh, not as uh, uh, broad a studies as we probably should have. But there are other culprits in this that we need help from. And one of those is the National Highway uh, Safe, uh, Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA. NHTSA did a study in 1990, uh, excuse me, a GAO, Government, Account- uh, Government Accountability Office, did a, uh, a, a study and said NHTSA should be more engaged in these programs. They should be more encouraging to states. And uh, 
We need that federal partner that's out there every single year evaluating accidents, injuries, and deaths because these programs work, and studies in Pennsylvania and Missouri have shown that. Guys, I can't help but think that the day of the autonomous car, and we're all, everyone in this room, everyone listening is going to see it happen. I mean, we're, we're, I think we're all going to be here. It, it just makes me think that here's some vehicle without a driver or me not, never touching the wheel or me sitting in the back seat having coffee, that, the, that NHTSA would allow those vehicles to be that autonomous without having to pull them in a lane and do a full software update, safety lane check, everything, because we're putting too much emphasis on technology what do you hear on Washington when all this talk going on? I think it's worse because these cars represent maybe one or two percent of the of the population. It's going to grow. I mean, whether it's semi-autonomous or autonomous, you get the other ninety-eight percent in, in states that you can buy. I, I, for the life of me, I can't understand how I could buy. If I lived in pick a state, I could buy a used car. That's never, that's 10 years old and has never been looked at other than maybe possibly being pulled over for whatever crazy reason by the, the state police. I, you can run, it, it, it I, I'm speechless. <laughs> and I'm well, usually not speechless. Yeah, you know, in, in, tech, in Texas, you know, if you sell a car, if, you're, if you sell a car to register it, it has to pass the safety and the emissions, which the emissions is another part of all this so you have to pass the safety inspection otherwise you don't get a title and it's the only thing we have too is that you don't pass the safety and you don't pass the emissions you don't get your registration renewed that's also you have to show proof of insurance and that's the only time that somebody outside the police actually see that you have insurance i, I, no. I would just like to to say uh, with your question uh, if we look at the House passed bill now, U.S. House of Representatives passed bill governing autonomous vehicles, and the Senate bill that's ready to go to the Senate floor, it doesn't mention inspection. All it does is set guidelines for research and putting vehicles on the road and said, states, you deal with that. Yeah. It doesn't mention it. So yeah, exactly right, right. It, it affirms that they're not focused on that. Okay, so I'm going to ask an insider question. Um, who at NHTSA are you talking about to help push this legislation for Safety inspections. I think I think this goes back to uh, maybe even pre-Clinton administration, where the NHTSA administrators uh, are not always uh, car guys. They're not always people that are understand you have an OE and you have an aftermarket relationship. What happens to the vehicle once the warranty's out, once they roll out of the showroom? It's uh, almost pre-showroom where the focus has been. Uh, I think we've got to, to push more about NHTSA evaluating the value of these programs and preventing accidents, injuries, and deaths, and and supporting state efforts. And now, if you look at uh, when the NHTSA data comes out on collisions and, and deaths and injuries, they don't touch uh, the kind of uh, minutiae with uh, bad tires, bad brakes, those kind of things that they need to take a look at. Okay, your customer's engine or transmission has failed, but now is not the time for them to trade their vehicle. Not without a working engine or transmission. Besides, would they have kept their vehicle another three to five years if their engine or transmission had not let them down? 
Well, if you answered yes, then Jasper Engines and Transmissions is your choice to give your customer's vehicle new life and many thousands of miles of enjoyable driving performance. When considering the high cost of a new or newer used vehicle, there's a pretty good case to be made for your customers to replace a drivetrain component that has failed or is delivering poor performance, rather than trading their car, truck, van, or SUV. Install a quality remanufactured Jasper product for less than your customer would have to invest in a different vehicle. Go to jasperengines.com to learn more about the money-saving value of Jasper. Designed from the ground up by a successful shop owner, FlexCheck Auto is the new approach to digital vehicle inspection. With the goal of helping other shop owners harness the power of DVI, FlexCheck Auto streamlines how the technician collects inspection data, making the inspection process more efficient. FlexCheck Auto gives the technician the power to operate the inspection software one-handed. FlexCheck Auto also includes a one-touch, one-of-a-kind, self-intelligent database that enables the technician to add inspection fields on the fly via speech-to-text. FlexCheck Auto doubles down on efficiency by allowing a shop owner to build and modify custom inspections that fit their shop's philosophy. FlexCheck Auto also guides the technician step-by-step to ensure that every inspection is performed the same every time. A unique intelligent approach to DVI, FlexCheck Auto, on the web at FlexCheckAuto.com. We have a, an incredible full room, standing room only. This is great. I should have sold tickets, you know, to, to come in here. <laughs> and um, I just wasn't thinking deep enough here. I'm sorry. Well, uh, next time. But what, I, what I, wanted to, I wanted to say is if anyone has a question for the panel, I've got a few postcards up here. Uh, please uh, just come up and grab them. Um, here is my thought to the shop owners that are in the room. Are you doing pre-used car inspections for clients? Okay. And if you are, what are you seeing? Just kind of yell out to me so we can kind of hear about it. Hidden rust on frames. Hidden rust on frames. So the bad ball joints. Bad tires. Bad tires. Brakes. Yeah, and these would all be part of a safety inspection. In Texas. As long as it doesn't grind and it stops within the prescribed distance, you can have almost no brakes left and still pass. We don't actually look at the brakes. All it has to do is stop the car and not pull when you hit the brakes. 70-mile-an-hour speeding bullet going full scale down a highway, and you tell me that's safe. Let me, let me repeat that for the audience that couldn't hear it that's, that's out in, in the world of radio, is that customers have these, this cherry of a vehicle. They really don't know what's underneath and what's inside and, and, and how it really runs and how, and how safe it is. Joe, uh, you, are, you work for a company, and I can't imagine the data that you have. Can you, without confidentiality breach, can you share what you see and, and why it works in the states that have it? Well, uh, we currently do about 20, we, we grab information on about 20 million tests a year. And, um, and, and I think at a very, very high level, uh, what we're very fortunate about in Pennsylvania is we do not have a model year exemption. And what, what you need to track, uh, for those of you in the other states, is be very, very careful when you're hearing about legislation to eliminate model years. Because the information that we're starting to get, Carm, is that 
the it's as high as eight to nine percent of new cars being pulled off of a um, the back of of a delivery, brand new, or so could be subject to a failing failing a safety inspection. So this notion of pushing out modular exemptions to two, four, five, seven years, that's not good. That's a sign to, to come up with an excuse to kick the can down the road, as far as I'm concerned. So where do we go? What kind of help do we need, Bob? Uh, you know, I can't imagine how tough your job is. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? He, he sees the future. He hears what's going on. And he says, oh, I just got to be able to rally the troops. And what do you have? A, a meeting a year with the legislators. And we all, in our own good intentions as, as owners and members of the industry, want to do something. But we never do. But it's really easy to write a letter, isn't it? It is. Uh, one of the, the, the problems and the, the tools that we've used in the past, ASA has used, is uh, uh, industry partners like Parsons. We, we wish all the, the, the private sector uh, companies were like Parsons and, and, and advocates for these programs. It's not always the case. And we've also had a decline in the number of trade associations, uh, uh, industry trade associations, that, are, that make this a priority. There are other issues, whether it's data access or cybersecurity, that rise to the top. And when you're in a critical moment, sometimes, you know, everybody's not helping. Uh, it, we really need a lot of partners. Uh, these uh, fights are expensive. They're labor-intensive. And uh, you've got to have a, a real push in the media, the trade press, uh, programs like this to, to help us out in educating the public. So it, it's getting harder. Uh, I'd like to plug the uh, motor vehicle administrators here in those states that uh, they're great partners, but they can only do so much. They are state employees, and they're great at educating and and helping us uh, present uh, accurate analyses uh, to policymakers. Uh, But it starts dropping off after that. So we need more help, and there are a lot of beneficiaries in the industry to these programs and certainly the consumer and consumer groups. And, and that's, a, that's a point here. Organized consumer organizations don't typically get involved in this issue. If you query them about them, the answer is yes, we like them. You query insurance companies about them, hey, that's a good program, sure. But as far as going to the front lines, uh, testifying in meetings, writing letters, et cetera, it, it's tough to get their engagement. A couple of things on my mind, guys. Uh, in fact, I think one of our talking points is, are there additional roles that inspection programs literally the 14 that are left can we convince the state legislator that there's there's more to be done and then maybe we can reinvent the rest we talked about this in pennsylvania our pennsylvania repair community their affiliate uh has discussed this uh we did a program with uh, the motor vehicle administrator in uh, in the state of pennsylvania and one of the uh, items that came up had to do with recalls uh surely we have repairs now that don't have inspection programs that, uh, as a courtesy to consumers, they bring up uh, recalls that might be for their particular vehicle, the customer's vehicle. But uh, we've discussed with NHTSA and with uh, uh, policymakers on Capitol Hill, this is something that should be considered, particularly after we had the airbag problem uh, uh, in the last uh, three to five years. So recall information, education is, uh, is one area that they could be helpful. That's an interesting point, Robert, because we walk a fine line. Um, so we, have a, we as a contractor, we certainly can make recall information available. Um, but there's always been a debate, and I'll throw this out there to you folks. Um, or do you feel if we 
uh, as, a, as a mandate uh, in your state inspection programs offered um, recall information on when a test is conducted, do you feel that that would be a disadvantage to you to a, um, a new car dealer that would, would you be losing business if that were to happen? Well, you know, in Texas, all the state inspections will spit back recalls. If it fails, it prints them and you can't stop it. Um, if it doesn't fail and it passes, it goes to the next screen and asks us if we want to print them. That just tells us that there were safety recalls on the car. It does not tell us if they've been performed. You know, but it it will spit them out if you fail the car for emissions or safety. And, you know, I hate getting the extra pages printed all the time, but because <laughs> we don't know if they've been done, you know, and nobody's going to pay us to go on the national site to see if it's been recorded that it's been done. It's not in the state's safety inspection program to check if the airbag recall has been done because airbag light can be on in the car. We can pass it. It seems that it's so tough to prove to the le- to the legislators that vehicle safety is important. That's that's a big is that the white elephant in the room? We can't seem to prove it, which is why they're leaving. Well, they also say it's expense, but you know we in Texas we went from doing stickers stickers um, to relying on just you know your registration doesn't get renewed if you don't pass safety. So if you're out of you know, DPS officers know if you've had a safety inspection or not when they pull up behind you. You know, I can say the safety inspections is just so lax. And getting them to put other things like, you know, the airbag recalls on some of the cars, they're actually really killers. They've killed, you know, 50 or 60 people with the airbags. But it's not part of our inspection. So getting it changed is going to be almost impossible. And, you know, Texas tried to eliminate it, and we all threw a fit and told all our customers to... Right, and I'm sure some of so, them So my question goes back to, it's tough to prove. Bob, do you have any yeah. statistics that say that vehicle inspections save lives? Uh, sure. The Pennsylvania uh, DOT study in 2010 uh, did that. Uh, probably was the latest and the greatest that I'm aware of. And uh, Joe would have probably more recent information than that. Missouri State Patrol has done studies over the years, uh, more numbers, uh, uh, than verbiage like the uh, DOT in uh, uh, Pennsylvania, but there are studies. But again, the uh, government agency should be doing this. The most lax uh, that has not stepped to the table has been the uh, been NHTSA, and uh, they're doing these analyses every year, not providing data. And, and part of it is that states with accidents, et cetera, have different thresholds for doing an investigation. Uh, and sometimes some states... It's you got to have a death, or you got to have a significant injury, or some other issue. But that's that's a big disconnect. I, I think I think it what it comes down to it's now data, and and the data really needs to be the the data if it's done correctly. Carm is driving the bus. Uh, one of my one of my. But favorite, isn't that enough to prove that these these programs need to be there, stay and reinvigorated? You no, know, you would think. You would think, but. The, again, when I when I got back to my opening comment, um, it it really is driving that four-legged stool. I, I mean, everybody needs to be on the same page, 
And, and, and one of my administrators say to me, just because we have a program since 1935, and, and if we haven't updated anything since 1935, it's no, it's no longer defendable. It's no longer defendable. And, and who is doing any, what business or what, what is out there that's doing uh, business the same way from 1935? And that's, and that's why these programs go away. They're not defendable anymore. And, and if you don't have the data and you don't have champions at the DMV, you don't have the police to, to do the enforcement, and you don't have the right contractor to, to, to communicate, that, that everybody's singing from the same sheet of music, and you can't let these politicians just willy-nilly get rid of a program just because they wake up and they say, eh, we don't need this now. That can't happen anymore. Oh, question. So the, the, the comment was, if, if someone buys a car, I'm doing this for the share of our internet audience, consumer buys a car and it, it's, it's a good car, a new car, and they're sharing the road with unsafe cars. And wouldn't the consumer be the advocate to make safety inspections you know, right? I remember reading an article, and I don't remember which one because I've done a ton of research, and one of the states was so proud, the governor was so proud to tell his, that they saved so many millions of dollars on uh, the inspectors and the tickets and the printing and the office, and uh, he probably got reelected. The argument against, and I did some research, what they're saying is that there's more deaths from speeding and texting and seatbelts and DWIs than safety. And that is something big to chew on. And, you know, how do you get, how do you get an argument in a political arena away from that? And, 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 and so my point is, is we, we all kind of know, but can we really rally the troops, save these 14 states, and actually figure out how we can get the 15th back? I think Joe made a good point that the data should drive the, uh, this debate. I don't think we have great data uh, when we get down to sort of an organic approach where, you know, uh, someone uh, crossed a lane and uh, maybe did see a car coming into them and could have, you know, the brakes weren't any good. Uh, but stop sign. There are all kinds of items. The tires are, are, are bad. Uh, a light's out. Uh, those kind of uh, that kind of information we just don't we don't have it from states or other jurisdictions uh, to any you know successful degree and so these uh, fifty state analyses don't work and it'd be nice to have a national number on a lot of this stuff. The problem we have to deal with really is you have to make the safety inspections really meaningful. You know, and I, I know that some places Louisiana has a safety inspection for the whole state except for. Orleans Parish has a much stricter inspection, and they actually check the front end of the car. So to be meaningful and have people really get safety from this, you have to make the inspections really count. Yeah, you, you've got a craw. You've got something stuck in your paw over, <laughs> over Texas, don't you? Well, you really do. That's just like, <laughs> huh? I know. I mean, wow. Yeah. And, and, and I, all right, what can we do to help, I guess? 
Uh, can we go down no. there and rally? Can we go picket in front of uh, state? You know, you're not going to make them. All right, okay. make a real safety inspection out of our safety inspection. They'd rather get rid of it. You know what? Do me a favor. <laughs> who's ever going to come up and ask a question? Come closer so that maybe we can get you on mic, so I don't have to do too many repeats. Um, uh, yes. Ah, okay. So cars in a, an accident, they don't inspect the vehicle, so they really don't know what happened. I mean, unless all the big lawyers are getting involved. I mean, today we're in a you know, litigious society and say, hey, save that car, protect that car, preserve that car. Let's go out and do an, in, an inspection on that car. But that data is far and few between. That's what you're saying. It's, it's just not really there. It's even simpler than that. I mean, it's even worse than that. Uh, the process in, in some jurisdictions is flawed because you're fixing the car before you're actually uh, you're fixing fixing a car of the defects before you actually do the test. Mm-hmm. So the 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 number of tests or cars that pass is uh, inflated just because the process that the state has in place makes you test a car in that ser- in that sequence. Does that I, make I, sense? No, are you saying that if a car was in a collision? And we're all in this quick, 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 fast society that they want to fix the car right away without really going through. Well, Joe, what Joe is saying is, and our our DPS came around last year and reminded us that, you know, once they bring in the car and we touch the keys, we're not supposed to go to them and say, oh, it's not going to pass because you have worn tires. It's not going to pass because your wiper blades are no good. It's not going to pass because you have bulbs out. That we're supposed to go and fail it first but most of the time because it is such a pain to go through fail it fix the car re-enter everything and do it again for seven bucks everybody just goes it's not gonna pass you need tires we can deal with the tires it needs wiper blades you want to put wiper blades on it you know we do do that a lot before we do the inspection so the actual number of cars that fail is skewed because we'll fix a lot of it before it hits the, hits but, the machine. But you're finding it. It's a statistic you know, that yeah. that's there that we're really not using. But, but, but it's, it's a statistical anomaly that's working against the actual I data. I get it. I, I, I get it. Oh, okay. It does ultimately pass, but we're, we're not holding the data for the failure. Is that what you're saying? Right. And Got it. Oh, it's the reporting yeah. issue. So I go back to you, Bob, on NHTSA. Do, do they have enough data to support this? Uh, they have a process that supports it. They're not gathering this data now. And uh, honestly, from what uh, uh, Bob uh, said earlier, uh, that states aren't providing it to them. The, the states don't have it or uh, municipalities to, to provide it. But uh, the question should be asked. And uh, to be honest with you, the hammer here is that uh, – Department of Transportation provides a lot of money to states and localities for roads, bridges, and all sorts of things, and that uh, they need to go back and tie some, t- if nothing more than data collection, uh, to uh, to this funding. Go back to the, the the model of 1966. If you take the money, you have to at least provide us data because we we don't know what's going on. I, I want to mention one other thing. This is not a rabbit trail, but as these vehicles become uh, more technically sophisticated. Uh, we have uh, we have the problem of the 36 states that don't have anything, plus the District of Columbia. You're in an accident now uh, for whatever reason. Uh, 
it's not required in overwhelming majority of the states for these vehicles to be scanned. They repair them. They put on new bumpers, et cetera. Whatever happens to the airbag, if the dashboard's not lit up, uh, collision shops don't have to scan them. Insurance companies won't pay for it. So uh, there's a lot. there are a lot of vehicles getting back on the road, whether for ball tires or something that no one understands or sees uh, for the consumer that uh, could cause a lot of problems. Why do I feel that we've gone through this incredible discussion and we find no solution at the end? And it seems to be the lack of data. It's the power of the politician. And it's the lack of the effort on the side of our industry to be champions or advocates. I mean, you you said the word champion earlier, Joe, um, to really push this through because we – you know what's amazing? How many in here are doing digital vehicle inspections? And and, and all I need to do – and I – I just learned something, by the way, in this first live that I really need to have a microphone for the audience so that we, we could capture your, your passion. What are you finding out there? And, and are you just, okay, you find these problems, you recommend them to the customer, but with a show of hands, who's refusing some of the most unsafe work you find? I mean, are you getting 50% say, uh, don't worry about it? Because our damn vehicles just seem to to run and run and run, and they may make clicks and noises, but they just seem to work, don't they? Is there another approach? But, you know, just because we find a problem on a digital inspection, that's not the same as the safety inspection for the state. Because all the safety in Texas, you don't get your license plate renewed if you don't pass. It's a totally different thing. We can't just up and fail it. Okay, digital inspection shows it's bad, but that doesn't show anywhere on the state because that's a one-day snapshot of that car on the state. My think is is how do we, in a more global scale, with only 14, the majority aren't, how do we really convince uh, the the other states to to want to relook at this. I saw a great article from 2017 on the on Utah when they when they didn't when they turned theirs off. One of the legislators got pulled over because of a bulb being out, and I'm not sure if that was the impetus of the of the bill to pull off. You know, I don't know if it, but somebody. Huh? You, it, makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And and he says, hey, <laughs> I'm pissed. We don't need this. <laughs> Yeah, and, and if those are the little tiny things because they they had no proof that they, they had all these state troopers and all you know this inspection division. They said we're going to put those troopers back out on the streets. You're in a state now. State of Florida had a program, and a governor's aunt uh, fussed about going, and the line was too long. And uh, he announced that it's over, and he was correct. It ended it so many years ago. So it's sometimes petty, sometimes it's ignorance. Uh, what's frustrating is it's easy. It's an easy program to attack. Let's say it's a state that charges thirty-five bucks or fifty bucks. Consumers love to hear, "Hey, I don't have to pay that anymore, and I don't have to take time off from work. I have to go at lunch." It, it's easy, and we haven't equated. Part of it is the data issue, but we haven't done a good job of educating about the importance of it. And there are partners out there that aren't helping. Insurance companies could be a better help with this, and they're not. Yeah, I, I wrote the word insurance yeah. down because I really wanted to go in, into that. Thank you for bringing that up. And you have to really keep the inspections with the independents and not – because Texas tried running the program. It was 
emissions-based, but you had to go through the state-run test. And that lasted a little bit over a year before everybody screamed enough to get rid of them, put them back in the independent shops. So you have to keep this with the independent shops because if you're having the state do it, uh, it's just going to be long lines and nobody's going to want to do it. The best programs out there are when, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, when industry and, and, and the state and the police are singing from the same sheet of music. And there's no two ways about it. Uh, it when everyone has a collective interest, uh, uh, th- th- these programs will, you know, I can't say will never go away, but they have a whole better likelihood of when you folks out in the audience are organized and you let, you know, uh, Bob and his, his gang uh, do their work. Uh, it's but at the same time you have to be as passionate of not letting these people take away your livelihood because that's what they're doing and in these other 36 states these these poli- the policymakers have allowed them to getting you know get in your livelihood and you can't allow that to happen hey uh, this has been great let's let's get ready to sum this up uh, any other questions? The audience participation was great. Thank you so much for being here. You know, if there's anything, you know, come up front here and get ready to get up here near the end. Um, guys, let's go around the room. One final comment, but I really do want to throw this insurance thing up. And is it, it, it goes back to, I believe, this whole thing about data. And if the insurance company had data that could save them money somehow, um, they would be on this like white on rice. So they don't have the data. They don't care. Where, where, where is that thinking on the insurance side, guys? They have the data. They have the data. And, and why don't they want to? And is the data f- positive for us? I have no idea. I, I have no idea how to answer that, Carm. Wow. Anybody in, in the audience know? All right. The, the insurance companies are the 800-pound gorilla in the room. And I'll probably get shot for saying it, but it... it it is true. I mean, they, they are not, they, they are multi-billion dollar businesses. They know their business. Um, and, and some, the, the only way for these, for, for the, the only way for these programs to continue is that someone like the insurance company sees a, a tremendous value for these programs to be implemented again. And if that, if we collectively, the, again, getting back to my four-legged stool, if we collectively can figure out a way that there's this quid pro quo that it, what you're going to get out of it, what I'm going to get out of it, I think we're on our way. But uh, there has to be some either financial benefit for for the big dog eating the meat, or or the state to say uh, this is a mandate. We're going to lose federal highway dollars. We're going to lose something as a mandate, and mandates work whether you like it or not. And, and they, they drive, they drive you know, policy. I, I want to add to that. Uh, this is not a, a voluntary uh, playground. Without a, a mandatory program, it's, uh, it's just not going to happen. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, the carrot of the stick. And uh, we've been portrayed, it's been, these programs have been portrayed as a tax. They're onerous on consumers, et cetera. The, the, the federal government and our folks don't like a lot of regulation. This requires regulation. 
the federal government's got to say to these states, you have to have these programs. You have to have some structure of a program, preferably, as Sebron said, you need a, a substantive program, not a, a, a superficial program that uh, you can roll your eyes at if you're looking at a vehicle and it passes. But we've got to somehow or another get the Fed uh, working with the states to uh, mandate these programs. I love what he said, substance, right? It's been great. Any other questions from our wonderful audience here? Wow, this, this is a first. So th- thank you so much for being here. Uh, I couldn't help but also um, and, and let chime in if you want, because I, I think we've pretty much uh, gotten to the end. I have a comment about the economic side of this. We, we see that uh, we need, you know, $1,000 worth of work on a vehicle. And if, if that was mandated, is, is the pushback part of, part of it economic? Have you, have you felt? Have you heard? Well, you, you look at other countries that have a very strict inspection program. And, yes, people have to spend thousands of dollars. That's why they dump the cars you know, rather than fix them. They'll go buy a new car because, you know, they're not going to spend you know, five or $6,000 on fixing a three- or four-year-old car. To bring it up to the standards, um, you know, we'll never get there because they'll just shoot that one down. Okay, so my final thought is: what can we do to help Mr. Redding? What, what do you What do you need us to do? Uh, one opportunity right now is in the state of Missouri. Uh, state of Missouri, there's a bill that's fourteen forty moving, and uh, we've had a limited number of. of uh, members and repairers engaged in the process to to stop this legislation that's an opportunity that's real today uh, for Missouri repairers to contact their policymakers and say don't pass this it's bad for consumers uh, it's bad for uh, everybody on the road today but there there are other every single state legislative session this happens uh, I want one other point this also happens everybody in this room has an opportunity at a town hall meeting with their member of Congress or with a, uh, a member of Congress's uh, legislative uh, local folks coming by to have some input. They need to ask the question, why is it my state has a program yet my neighboring state does not, or the reverse of that? Uh, the chairman, a retiring chairman of the House Transportation Committee asked this question in a meeting in his office. He, had, he has a program in his state, and he said, you mean all 50 states don't have a safety inspection program? Because his state had one. He did not know that. So the consumer could drive this or not for us? Yes. Really? Yes. The consumer can drive this, but we've got to be able to convince the consumer that we need help with that. And, but it, it goes back to that economic thing. Why would I want that? Because I have to spend more money if we have it's, it. But it's good economics of preventative maintenance. Yeah, it needs to be sold as a safety piece. Yes, yes, it does. Uh, this was great. Thank you all so much for being here. Robert Redding, ASA Legislative Representative. Joe Batista, Vice President of Sales and Business Development at Parsons. And the shop owner, Sebrin Vanderpoel. And to our studio audience, thank you to ASA for having us here at the annual ASA conference meeting here at the Swan on the Disney property. And thank you to our director, Leona Scott. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.